0: I'm excited today about starting a new series called Sons, Not Servants. Mm-hmm. Sons, Not Servants. And I know you say, well, Pastor, the whole time you've been here pastoring, you've talked about how important that servanthood is to the church. But I think a lot of times we, unders- we forget about that the most important thing that happened to us by what Jesus accomplished on the cross is that he adopted us to be his children. Amen? Yeah. He took us that was lost and broken and undone without him. And we don't have to accomplish anything. We don't have to be good enough. Because if you witness people today and you tell them about Jesus, and even some Christians are followers of Christ, they have this problem of being good enough. How many ever felt like that you weren't good enough? That you weren't good enough? Well, you're going to enjoy this series because this series is for you. I'm going to know today because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross right before he gave up the ghost. He passed into in eternity to to take the keys from death, out and the grave, by the way. He said these words, it is finished. <laughs> Amen. And because Jesus said those words, we're able to enjoy what we enjoy today. So stand with us for the reading of the word, if you will, this morning. Again, it's so good to have our, our, our guests with It's good to have Tracy's family. Uh, Children and grandchildren with us So blessed to have you guys with us Thank you for joining us, all of our guests And all of our church family here Uh, I promise you, we're going to treat you So many different ways, you're going to like a couple So uh, we're going to read This scripture text together, let's read Luke uh, Chapter 15 Verses 15 through 22 So he went and hired himself Out to be a citizen, talking about the Prodigal son of that country Who sent him to his Fields to feed pigs He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. In verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and I here am starving to death? In verse 18, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against you, I sinned against heaven and against you. Verse 19, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Verse 20. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And verse 21, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Stretch your hands this way and ask God to anoint us for the preaching and teaching of his word. Father, we love you and we honor you. and We thank you for your word. It's a lap to our feet. It's a light into our path. God, we know that in the beginning you were there and you were the word and you transform us from the beginning even to where we are today. And we ask God that the power of your Holy Spirit, that the transforming power of your word through the strength and the power and the sovereignty of you, God, will change our hearts and help us to catch a vision of what we really mean to you today. God, I pray for those today that are in this crowd that struggle with their identity in Christ. And I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that we would get a glimpse from the throne rooms of heaven what we mean to you today and what you're doing for us daily. And Lord, we pray that everything we say and do will bring honor and glory to your name. would edify and uplift your church. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. And the church said amen. amen Amen. Amen. you can be seated if you'd like but notice in the scripture while the son the prodigal son was a long way off the scripture brings out that his father saw him and had compassion on him the very core and meaning of who God is is God is good let me say that again God don't have to get good God is the meaning of good yes Amen. You don't have to uh, change into his best robe. How many of you just get up in the morning? You have your routine when you get up. God don't get up. Let me say this for a moment. Y'all gonna have me preach today. God don't get up in the morning and have to get his hair fixed and jump in the shower and get ready to be God. He's just God. Amen. Amen. And when the prodigal son, the picture that Jesus tells in Luke 15, takes us to a place to where the prodigal son had—if you go back and start reading verse 11—the prodigal son had asked for his Part of the inheritance. He was one of two sons and he asked for as part of his inheritance. And the Bible tells us that he spent his 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 uh his uh, fortunes on riotous women, riotous living and adulterous women, and he was broke and laying in a pig pen, eating things that a pig wouldn't eat. Can I tell you today he was not able to help himself? But the Bible said he came. To himself. And when he came to himself, he remembered about his father. Can I tell you today, there's a God in heaven that loves you and he loves you unconditionally. Somebody needs to hear this today. It don't matter how many times you messed up, it don't matter how many times you've been out the club, turned up and broken and tow up from the floor. up. Jesus loves you unconditionally. And God the Father sent you, sent his son to you unconditionally, and there's nothing you can do to diminish the love. That God has for you. Amen. Amen. The Bible says that in Scripture in Luke 15 it said that the father saw the son while he was a long way off. Listen you don't see somebody unless you're looking for you got to be visually looking for us. Can I tell you today, You said, we, we look at it like this a lot. I, I don't know about you, but I look at myself sometimes like this. And the Lord's really convicted me of it and dealt with me about this and said, Rex, you need to preach this and share this to your church body. Listen, church, we look at ourselves and everything we do in this life is performance-driven. You don't get a promotion unless you do the job to get promoted. You don't get the job a lot of times unless you have the looks, the clout. Come on. You don't get that new house unless you have some money in the bank or good credit. A lot of times you don't have to have money in the bank, you just have to have good credit, right? But how many know that after a while good credit don't make won't work unless you got some money, right? But can I tell you what Jesus did on the cross for us? Is he did something awesome. He took us, who was like this man laying in a pig pen, eating the, the husk of corn. Can you show me that Show that picture for us this morning? You know what this man was eating? He wasn't eating the corn, grind. He was eating the husk off the corn that had been laying in the, in the pig poop and the mud and, the, and the, the wallow that the pig was wallowing in. He wanted to fill his stomach, but he was eating things that pigs had trampled on, and he had nothing, David, to satisfy his hunger because he was lost without his father. Can I tell you today what we have become as a church is we think that if I live good enough, if I read my, my if I read my devotional five out of seven days, if I have very light road rage on 280 or 459, if I don't tell my spouse off, or if I don't go to bed mad at my spouse, or if I don't kick the dog on the way in, I've done good enough to be part of Jesus' family.
1: But that's not what it's about.
0: Y'all might as well help me today. That's not what it's about. <laughs> It don't matter how many times you kick the dog, and I know I know I'm hurting a lot of our dog lovers friends. Don't kick the dog, by the way. He didn't do it. Don't call him, we're not gonna talk about that. But a lot of times I have kicked the cat. Lord forgive me. See, I need help too. Amen. Cat kind of aggravates me at times. But anyway, we're moving on. Okay, call him. Be quiet, rest of the service. Thank you. It's paying me back. The point I'm trying to make is. We live below our privilege. We're eating husk in the bottom of the pig pen. Next picture, Brie. When we should be eating steak from his table. Yes. I'm going to help somebody today, and I'm going to help the pastor on the way. If you live, if you eat the stalk of corn, and the husk in the bottom of the pig pen has been pooped on, peed on, and everything else, I'm not trying to be too blunt, but anybody ever been around pig pen, do they kind of stink? Yeah. But having it's like eating pigs. Yeah. but what's happening is that king is eating that food and he's throwing something called ham and bacon I'm going to make all I'm going to be ready to go to Cracker bear after this I'll yeah. be ready to beat the Baptist out, right? Kyle yeah. back or whatever how yeah. yeah. can't help you with that anyway, let's move on y'all ready. I had no breakfast today y'all, this year's session is going to be quiet right here yeah. so the bottom line is as Christians we feed ourselves on the husk there's nothing wrong with corn. I love corn. But I don't know about you, I don't like eating the husk of the corn. I like the corn that's on the cob. Yeah. That corn is good because it's created to eat. The husk was what's give over? It's the leftovers. This young man had spent his fortune and his inheritance on the waste of the world. The Bible talks about that he lived an adulterous lifestyle. He spent his times in the prostitution rings. He spent his time at the club getting turned up and getting wasted and doing shots and probably doing a few lines of cocaine if they had it back in the day. But you know what? Jesus loves him anyway. And the Father was looking for him. Can I tell you today? When you tore up from the floor, when you messed up and you addicted, you come to church. If marriage is falling up, you come on preach today, you're my floor. You are to church. If your marriage is falling apart in your relationships, if you can't pay your power bill, you come on to church. That's a God that loves you unconditionally. There's help for you in his house. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You're doing a good job, Rich. You're doing good. Amen. Amen. His son, his father was looking for him. And a lot of times we as Christians we're so consumed with what we used to be. We can't reach out and grasp what God has for us now. We're so consumed with what I used to do. We're so consumed with how I used to live. We're so consumed with what, here's one, what somebody says about me. Yeah, what somebody said about me Maybe my parents told me that I never up. Maybe a teacher told you You'll always be goofy Maybe somebody called you retarded, Or somebody called talked down to you all your life Can I tell you Jesus loves you with an undying love yeah, yeah. And the Bible says He that knew no sin became sin for me That means every one of my imperfections, every one of my inadequacies, everything that I don't think I can accomplish through Christ Jesus, I can do all things through him. That's what happens when I commit myself to Christ. You said, well, Pastor Rex, what it's about? It's not about works. It's not about works. It's about us understanding who God is. It's about us understanding who God is. So the prodigal son is laying in the pig pen, starving to death, and he says, even my father's servants have plenty to eat tonight. They have a warm place to sleep. His slaves, they have slaves back in, they have food to eat. They have a warm place to sleep. He says, even them, my father's hired servants has nothing. Here I am starving to death. I know what I'll do. I'll go home to my father. And I tell him, I'm unworthy to be a part of And to be called a son, won't you just let me be like one of your hired servants? How many of us, when we go into our prayer time, we take the place of the prodigal and we say, Father, I'm unworthy to come before you. When Hebrews 4 and 16 tells me that I can come boldly to the throne of grace where I find help hope and healing in my hour of need and it's not conditional upon how many times i failed God or sinned that week the condition is upon what Jesus did for me on the cross and when he said it is finished it was finished so but we think we gotta get good enough can I tell you today what you believe about God affects whether you believe God or not Amen Let that sink in a minute. What you believe about God affects whether you believe God. The prodigal son said, I'll tell my dad, I'm not going to be a part of the family anymore. What was he doing? He was isolating himself. You know why we don't need to isolate ourselves from the church? Because we let the accuser have a free road in to our heart and mind. Come on. The devil had sifted him like wheat, had taken him and destroyed his life. But there was something that the father had did to this young man when he was under... I'm talking to your parents today. What you do for the kingdom, when you get up and take your kids to church, when you pray with them, when you cover them in prayer, you may not think, well, these kids are grown and they're out doing their thing and partying and it riots, living and all kinds of ungodly lifestyles and all the things like that. They're not listening to me. Can I tell you, you are planting a seed? The Bible says it will not return void, but it will accomplish what He has chosen for you to accomplish today. You say, well, Pastor, what I'm doing with my kids, trying to raise my kids right and teach them and raise them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord, doesn't matter. Can I tell you? Wake up yes. because this man laying in a pig pen, starving to death with nothing left, had spent all that he had, realized that his father still had a place for him. Amen. He says, Father, I'll come back to your house and I just want to be a servant. Don't call me a son anymore. I'm not worthy to be a son. And the Bible says that the father didn't even allow him to finish his field. When he began to say, Father, I've seen against you in heaven, his father stopped him. The Bible says he ran to him and he kissed him. And then he called to his servants, go bring the robe, the ring, and the shoes and go go kill the fatty calf. Go go put that T-bone on the grill go fire up the grill. We're going to have to park because my son that was dead is now alive. Amen. Can I tell you today, you say, well, Pastor, you don't know how many times I messed it up. You don't know how many times on Sunday mornings I'd rather be at the golf course than come to church. You don't know how many times me and my wife argued this week. You don't know that I can't pay my power bill or I'm about to lose everything. You don't know how many addictions I got in my life. Can I tell you today, Jesus will take care of it all if you lay it at his feet just like this young man, I'm going to preach today. Just like this young man that was watering in the pig pen found help, hope, and healing when he went back home. Because he surrendered what he was to the Father. The Bible said he was looking for him. The Bible said he's looking for him. I remember my mom two days before she passed away. My youngest brother, the half history of drug addiction and alcoholism and broken relationships. She he stood at the face of the head of her bed and she told me she said she told him and all of us boys standing there, four of us boys standing, there, she said, Stan, you promise me that you will give it all to Jesus and allow him to heal you. You gotta promise me. I hadn't seen that promise come to fruition. But you know, as far as I know, my brother's still alive. He may be hungover from his last party last night. But there's a God in heaven that's looking down the road this morning at him that loves him. And he won't allow him when he comes home to be called a servant, he's going to call him a son. And a lot of times we look at things and we look at people, we look down our nose people, we look at the drug addict and the strung out, and we look at the person that the atheist that don't believe in God or been hurt in church, and we look at them and we judge them. And all the time if we saw a picture of the way God saw us when we were messed up. Come on. We begin to see how God sees us, we would look at them differently. John eight and thirty-five says, No slave has no permanent place in the family. But a son belongs forever. Galatians 4 and 7 says, So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. How many of you know what an heir is? One day when Jennifer and I, the Lord tarries, hopefully a few kids along the way. Him, him. Yeah. <laughs> not you, God. I'm not talking to you good. No, <laughs> anyway, hopefully, we'll leave it to some grandkids as well. Hopefully I was not getting, but the point I'm trying to make is in the marriage, you leave something precious to the ones that are precious to you. How many parents want to have something to leave your children yeah. and to pass on to your children? But Jesus did for that for us on the cross. Our problem is if we're just trying to get good enough to get to Jesus. And Jesus is right standing right next to us because we don't have to get good enough. We're too busy swimming in what everybody else says about us and the condemnation of our past. The Bible says in Romans, there is now therefore no condemnation to them who is in Christ Jesus. Can I tell you today where you've been in this thing two days or where you've been in it 20 years? You're a son of a living king, God. And that you have righteousness flowing through your veins. You say, well, pastor, our righteousness is not good enough. You will never be good enough. Let me tell you, let me give you a little breakthrough. You will never be good enough. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, you are good enough today. Amen. Because of what he did. And we're going to talk about that. So what does the word righteousness mean? One more scripture before we get there. Isaiah 61:10 says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul soul rejoices in my God for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and has dressed me in a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest his head like a priest and the bride adorns herself with jewels. He has clothed me with salvation and righteousness. When you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life all the sin and the unrighteousness and the filth falls up to you. How many of you ever taken, come in in the wintertime, you come in a warm house and you take that jacket off and you hang it up maybe on a coat wrap or something or in your mud room in your house. But you walk back outside and it's really cold and you reach back in real quick to get that jacket because you don't need it. God clothes us in righteousness. What does righteousness mean? It's a right standing room. We need to be in a right standing with God. How do I come to a right standing with God? I allow Jesus Christ, that that knew no sin, who became sin for me. I accept him. I accept, believe, and confess that he is Lord. How many of us, come on, let's be real here for a few minutes. I'm going to try to slow it down for just a second. How many of us ever doubted God? You doubted God. Man. I have. You walk through things, you go through things in this life, and you doubt that what he said he would do, he would do. He would still do. We God. If you've been through tough times and broken relationships and the trials of this life, and the loss of loved ones. You doubt. Maybe you're not doubting God directly, but you're doubting the decision that God made to allow something. To happen. A lot of times, we don't understand what the word sovereign means. Sovereign means that God is who He says He is. Sovereign does not mean that we get to dictate God and tell Him what we want Him to do. Let me say that again sovereign means that he is the god of all god the king of all kings and the lord of all lords sovereign does not mean that we need to get dictate god how many of us go to a vending machine and you put your money in and you pick what soda or snack you want out of that vending machine you ever did that you ever gone to a come on everybody in here has been to a vending machine some of y'all are already thinking about might take the steak down real quick <laughs> Just take the steak now, y'all are y'all not talking about sweet tea or, or your water or your lemonade. Take the corn now. But that's a side. How many has ever been to a vending machine? I, they did warn me, by the way, that I talked about food. Y'all check out in about fifteen minutes. It's about right. So you go to the vending machine and you want that diet Mountain Dew or that Coke or that whatever you drinking or that sprite or you want that Twinkie. Or you want that honey bun and you're dreaming about it and when you hit the button, you put your money in, you hit the button and it drops your snack and it's not your snack. You want that iced honey bun because you end up getting a brownie that's about three and a half years old. (laughs) Came up on the flower and all that. Come on. Or you push that button, brownie, you want that mountain dude and you end up getting a Anybody remember the tap covers yeah. You end up getting a Diet Coke and you want a real cup. The point I'm trying to make with God, a lot of times we push the buttons with God. And we say, God, I need you to do this, 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 and this because I know what's best. And the whole time God is saying, already saying, I'm doing this, this, and this so you can have all this. Oh, Amen. Yeah. Pastor Paul said it like this. We see through a glass vaguely. We only see a part. But one day we shall see in full. I'm trying to encourage you today. A lot of us have been praying for a lot of things for a long time, and you say, Well, God's God don't hadn't answered my prayers and he hadn't met my needs where I think he needs to meet them and how he needs to meet them. God don't love me no more. And I'm not a part of the king. Can I tell you that's a lie from the pits of hell today? He, that he saves, he seals until the day of redemption. Here, hear me today, church. When you're living on the on the fence of, I got to be good enough in order for Jesus to do anything for me. You were listening to the voice of the accuser and you were being robbed of your joy and you're sitting there eating the husk yeah. from the pig pen when you should be eating the steak at the table today, church. Yeah, yeah, right. When we do that, when we let what people say about us, mom gets kids, ride with us through our lives and they talk about us and they, and they, they associate us with certain people and certain things. When Jesus changes our lives, He changes our friends and our cycles. Come on. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that when we get converted, when we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, the Bible talks about regeneration. Mm-hmm. And that's the old has become new. Mm-hmm. The point I'm trying to make when you're trying to do everything right, just to be approved by God. You are listening to the lie of the enemy and that's not biblical. And Jesus accomplished it on the cross for us. What he said it is finished. He did not stutter or lie. He said it is finished. And when we rob ourselves and listen to the, uh, the accusations of the devil, we are robbing ourselves of some peace and joy that Jesus Christ paid for. So what's the first point? first point is, is salvation earned, or is it a gift? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How many of us still live like we got to earn When Me. I first started pastoring this church. It's okay if I be open today. Mm-hmm. For six months, I pastored this church, Regina. I gauged myself by every other pastor that had been successful around me. And I thought if I wasn't doing what they were doing, my church wasn't going to grow and I wasn't going to be successful. But you know what I realized about six months in that God didn't make me to be the pastor at Kathy Junction or Rock Mountain Lakes or wherever or Metro. God put me here. And if he put me here, he's going to anoint me and use me to accomplish what he wants me to accomplish with the Now I'm talking to somebody today. You might be trying to live the perfect life. Listen, don't believe the lies on Facebook they don't get up looking like that in the morning that house is not always clean they don't have the best dogs in the world and nobody's breath or feet ever stink that's a lie It's us call it fake book for a reason And be careful of those people that lives are always perfect we we'll we live in a broken and lost world be weary of people that will talk to you about somebody else because if they're talking to you about somebody else They're going to talk to somebody else about you. That's good. I didn't say it. So be careful of who you listen to. The voice of the accuser. Who is the accuser? He's saying, the Bible says he's a liar and the father of all lies. Lying, he created it. Remember when he went to Adam and Eve in the garden and he told her, she said, "Hmm." God said that we can eat of this tree Satan immediately took scripture and twisted it and said God did not say that God don't want you to be wise and know all and see all that he does that's the reason he don't want you to eat of this tree the fruit of good and evil what happens to the sons of Stephen when they come to Jesus and they said hey cast these devils out and he got beat up and then his disciples come to him and said hey 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 even the devils are subject to us in your name. This is Jesus' disciples and when Jesus said, he his put foot up on the table and said I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven he says what well, you need to be rejoicing in is not the authority that you have over devils but that your name's been written down in the last book of life yes, Amen well, you need to find your joy and your hope is is in knowing Jesus. Listen, church, you work around and you around and you live around people every day that are lost and broken and scared to death because what's going on around us can I tell you the reaching people for the kingdom won't happen just because we have a great service on Sunday morning reaching people for the kingdom happens when people that are followers of Jesus Christ share their brokenness and the things they've gone through with others and they point them to Jesus that's when the gospel is accomplished that's when the church is being the church You say, well, Pastor, how do I get past this part of trying to be good enough, to live good enough, to be good enough for Jesus, of trying to earn it? How you view Jesus and the church and the plan of salvation is going to affect several things. Let me give you a few of those. It's going to affect how you view others. It's going to affect how you view God. It's going to affect how you view your church. How we live in society where everything is performance driven. Everything is performance driven. Now it's become to the place that if you disagree with me, come on. Mm-hmm. It's okay if I share a little bit right here. Come on, if you disagree with me because I believe what I believe in is right, mm-hmm. then you're wrong. So we, we've lost the ability in society today to gr- disagree with somebody and it be okay. you're not always going to agree with everybody. Right. It's okay. You know what that's called? Political greatness in this room and in our society. Mm. What's happening? We, we think that we can't disagree with somebody. Right. But you know where we gather truth from? Can I help you today? With all that's going on around us, in a couple of months here before an election, that's very important, by the way. You know what's, you know what's happening around us? Mm. People are attacking the church, and we are blinded to it. Yes. You know? The church is being silenced and we're being blinded to it. I'm going to go ahead and say it today. If you believe in in taking a baby that's on the table and after it's been born and sucking that baby's brain out, you are bound for it. And I know a lot of people are going to say, well, Pastor, what does it have to do with living right? Listen, there's a standard. And life is precious. Yeah. And at conception, that baby has life. I'm going to say that yes. today. Okay. Come on. And it don't matter what people say to me and about me. There is a right way and a wrong way. And the Bible says after that leads unto judgment. Mm-hmm. Come on. Come on. You want to know what's happening around us? You so, said, Pastor, what does it have to be around? We think that we can disagree with somebody. Listen, if it don't line up with the word of God you have all the right of heaven to disagree with it. You have all the authority of the Godhead to disagree with it. Not only to disagree with it, but to stand against it. I'm going to say a couple more things. Right is right and wrong is wrong. If we don't get off the fence as a church, we're going to fall in the hole. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. And wrong's not going to win. Read the back of the book. Right. Wrong is not going to win. So, I so will let to say this. Before you vote, you investigate that candidate and you find out what they believe in. Because right. it's there, whether you want to see it or not. Right. Now, moving on. Hmm. going to be able to say, Pastor, on politics today. No, I did I made a point. Now, hear me 100% on this. Your salvation is. Is not earned, it is a gift. I'm gonna say that again. Salvation can never be earned, it is a gift. Nobody's hearing me. Salvation is not earned, it is a gift. Amen. It don't matter how good you get and how many times, listen, Virginia. I've actually used to think this way. Well, I read my devotional six out of seven days this week, so I did prove it. Mm-hmm. Some of y'all looking to me funny. Y'all still thinking about the state, right? But we change ourselves on how good we've done that week. And our ability to go to the throne room, come on, I'm not saying all of us, I'm just saying as Christians, and I sometimes our willingness to go and pray to God is affected by how bad of a day we had the day before. I, I, maybe I'm just talking to me. That's right we think that we can't come boldly to the throne of grace because we made five mistakes that day when Jesus said he invites us to come boldly to the throne of grace where we find help and healing in our our need that's a promise it's not conditional upon how good we are so there's three gifts that the prodigal gave his son can we name them a robe a ring and some shoes. Next week we're going to talk about the ring of authority, what he gave his son. This week we're talking about the robe of righteousness. The robe of righteousness. The Bible says he that knew no sin became sin for us. Jesus became sin for us. He knew no sin. He had never sinned. The Bible says he was tempted in every way, right brother Keith, yet he sinned not. But he on the cross became sin for us. Matter of fact, when Jesus was becoming sin for us, the Bible tells us that the father turned his back because he could no longer look at his son because he had become sin for us. That's when Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When he was becoming sin for us, that means every sin that I committed or every will commit, Jesus had become that on the cross. And his own father was turning his back on him just for a moment because he could not look on sin because he is God. He's a sinless God. But because of what Jesus, I'm helping somebody right here, but because of what Jesus did on the cross, the father looks at you and he don't look at you and you're messed up, tore up, broken down. right? He looks at you through the perfectness of his son, through the power of his Holy Spirit. And he looks at you are free, redeemed, and all right you're right ahead. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when you get up in the morning and you don't feel like you can accomplish anything or do anything for the kingdom, say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Come on, y'all get up in the morning and y'all look at yourself in the mirrors a lot of times. Now some of us look in the mirror more than others. That's apparent, by the way, we look, sometimes, right? You know, I'm not judging anybody, I'm just saying some of y'all some of us pay attention more to the mirror than others. Like you ladies generally pay more attention to the mirror than guys. Amen, guys. We just want to know that shirt doesn't stink too bad before we put it on. And I wore these socks yesterday, but they're not too bad. They didn't walk off by themselves when I took them, took them off last night. And this shirt's got a little bit of soup and macaroni and cheese on it, but it's good. That's supposed to be funny. You guys, you know you do it but the father looks at his son coming before he gets there and he look, doesn't look at that son living a moral life and living inappropriately he looks at that son the way that God looks at us and the Bible said that he ran to him and he grabbed him and kissed him and he wouldn't let him finish his speed on all the things uh, I don't want to be a I don't deserve to be a son and call a son anymore. Call me a servant. Just let me have something to eat. Just let me live here and serve you. He wouldn't allow that to happen. He says, go get the robe, the robe of righteousness, and put it on Get the ring to put it on his finger. You know what rings mean in that day? It's just a little nugget for next Sunday. The ring meant that he had authority in that family. And go get the shoes What did the shoes signify? It was the shoes of sonship. They wore certain shoes for different classes in those days. In other words, his shoes kept his feet ready to travel. So he says, go get the ring, the robe, the ring, and the shoes. Which means, the robe means he had become worthy to wear the robe. That signified he was a part of his family. We look at all these things and we think, you know, God... I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. Maybe it's just me. Am I the only one that's ever looked at myself in the mirror and think I'm not good enough? That means ever heard of the word inadequate. That means ever felt inadequate to do something. Brian was talking about me and telling me this morning how much he loved doing sheep rock finishing. I'm just trying to chip Brian up and make him laugh. <laughs> That's a life on the bit sale by the <laughs> He was talking about how he loved that. No, I'm joking. I'm just kind of crying this morning. But a lot of times, hear me right here, church. A lot of times, we feel inadequate because of our past. The root of the word inadequate means iniquity in the Greek. Go look it up The word inadequate means iniquity in the Greek. That son didn't want to be called son anymore because of his iniquity of his past. He didn't feel like he could be called son anymore because of all of his past faults and failures and the shame that was on him. But something was about to happen. The first thing the father said is don't get the robe and put it on him, which is the robe of righteousness. When you come to an altar whether it's in your car or in a church, or in your living room, wherever you accept Jesus at, He replaces a robe of righteousness on you before you get up from that place of prayer. And that young man had a robe of righteousness placed on him when he got there, and there was a big party being thrown for him because the father said, "Let's party, let's celebrate." And I paraphrase him. He says, "My son, that was dead." Is now alive. My son that was lost, his son didn't even know where his father didn't even know where he was. Is now home, is now found. He's now home. Come on, let's grill the steaks and the corn or whatever we're gonna cook. Or the wings. Come on, I'm making y'all They're finishing up right here, and getting y'all ready for lunch. Let's have a party. Let's celebrate. But the story that Jesus tells right here is bigger than just a party or a steak on the grill. He's showing us the significance of what happens when we come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. There's a party, the Bible says, in heaven. Every time somebody comes to know Jesus, the Bible says there is a celebration that the angels in heaven rejoice over those who come and when the lost are found, when we come to accept Jesus. He was showing us A picture of what heaven looks like. And he was showing us a picture of what Jesus' grace towards us looks like. He was showing us that. He was showing us a picture. Now Romans 4 and 6 says, just as David, how many of us know when your checkbook is balanced? Anybody ever balanced your checkbook before? Probably one of the most fun things you'll ever do in your life. That's a joke, by the way. Balancing your checkbook. Romans 4 and 6 it, like this. It says, Just as David also describes the blessedness of a man whom God imputes his righteousness apart from works. What does the word impute mean? It means to account to. How many ever had, come on, let's get real here for a moment. How many ever had somebody talk about you and put you down? You've had somebody to put you down and talk about you. And it had an effect on me. Mm-hmm. I was in the second grade, and I'll never forget it. I don't share this story with everybody, but I was in the second grade and I had a speech impairment. Miss Tracy, I stuttered real bad. And I remember going to the lunchroom when I went to the Title I Readers Club class, and those other kids wouldn't let me sit with them, Regina, because they said I was talking to mm-hmm. He said, I was pretty mean. You know what I did to kind of compensate that? We got on the playground. I was a little bigger than most kids at the time. You know what I did when we played football? I think somebody in matter back head or all that, start fights. Because I was trying to cancel out what they said about me. I was trying to take my mind off of that. I was trying to show that I could play ball just as good as they could, or I could catch, or I could run, or whatever we were doing. P, I could, I could cancel it out, I could become better. And for years I could hear those kids laughing and making fun of me. Till I was 18 years old, battling depression and struggling with my life and what I was gonna be, because I still heard those kids laughing and talking about me. Even though I could read, even though I didn't stutter like that no more, even though I wasn't really as slow as they thought I was. I allow what they said about me to form me and rob me of my joy growing up as a kid. Don't talk to somebody. You can listen to what people say about you, or you can listen to what the Word of God says about you. Yeah. And you can quit trying to be good enough, or you can allow God to make you good enough. We, we we spend so much time worrying about what other people say about us. Listen, I learned a long time ago. I'm a pastor. People are gonna talk about me it's going to happen. I know that's not very good English, but it's going to happen. People are going to talk about it. Jesus said, you're going to be persecuted for my name's sake. You will. People are going to talk about you. The difference is, do you believe him, or do you believe the report of the Lord? Because all of us, let me say this today, every one of us, no matter how good or bad we lived in the past, has a past. There's a reason when you get in your car that the rear view mirror is smaller than your windshield. Because God don't want you looking back. He wants you looking ahead. Now, do we need to look in our rearview mirror? Yes, there for a reason. Do we need to be reminded that we don't need to go back to where we used to be? Yes. Do we need to look ahead at what God's got for us? Yes. But there's a reason the front windshield is bigger than the rear view. Because God wants you looking ahead. And we can get to that spiritually and understand that God wants us looking ahead. Romans 54 and 3 says, For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Now go with me a minute right here. The Bible told Abraham those that bless you I will bless and those that curse you I will curse. Isn't that what he said? Right. Now who are we today? The Bible tells us that we are the seed of Abraham. Right. So when people ask me every morning when I go into my new job and I walk through and I meet the, my co-workers they say, how you doing today, uh, Rex? I said, I'm blessed and highly faithful. Amen. And when I walk down that hall every morning to that new job that's been intimidating to me at times, you know what I say? I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Yeah. i can do all things through Him who loved me first. I am perfectly and wonderfully made What am I doing? I'm not reminding myself Of how good I am I'm reminding myself of how good my God is yes. And that I am the righteousness of God and I'm talking to somebody today Quit talking down to yourself Quit looking at the past Go and grasp what God yes. has for your future yeah. yes. Understand who you are in Christ God loved you so much That he gave his very best So you could have life and have it to the full Don't look down On yourself don't look down don't listen to the accuser who is the accuser who is the accuser Satan how many of us remember Joshua in the Old Testament Joshua's name literally means God saves God is salvation God saves but there was two Joshua's in the Old Testament we all know a lot about the Joshua that took over after Moses died and led the children of Israel into the promised land. Let's go to Zechariah 3 and we'll read the scripture. I'm almost done. I'm thinking about your states now. Y'all never ate corn as a side before and after today you will, right? Amen. mean, that was supposed to be funny too. Miss Marianne, guys, you'll be thinking about that from now on. Zechariah 3. Verse 1 says, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan, standing at the right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said, Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand cloak from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with the filthy garments and was standing before the angel. What was Joshua clothed in? Filthy garments. He was clothed in filthy garments standing before the angel. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him saying, take away the filthy garments from him. And, he, and, he, and to him he said, see, I have removed your iniquity from you and I will clothe you with rich robes. Who is the angel of the Lord in Zechariah chapter 3? It is Jesus Christ himself. Yeah. Him and Satan are standing at the right hand. I'm going to help somebody right here. Satan and the angel of the Lord which is representative of Jesus here is standing at the right hand of the Father and Joshua the high priest with his filthy robe is standing there before Father and all of a sudden the, the Lord says the Lord rebuke you. In other words, he takes authority over the accuser. And he takes away his filthy clothes and replaces them with rich robes. Isn't that what the scripture says? Then he replaces them with rich robes. So the high priest himself, his iniquity was removed and it was replaced with rich robes of righteousness. So that's the picture of Jesus to us in salvation of how he clothes us with righteousness. Now Joshua lost his filthy garments that day. He walked out of there and the picture justified. He took away, he rebukes the accuser, he closes with righteousness, then he does something. He removes the accuser and he becomes our intercessor. You not what Romans says? That he becomes our intercessor. Ephesians chapter 2, go read Ephesians chapter 2 this week. Plug in my Ephesians, our Ephesians class next Sunday morning. Go read Ephesians chapter 2. Just as important as you being saved is understanding who you are in Christ Jesus. I'm gonna say that again. Being saved and not understanding who you are in Christ Jesus will rob you, and you'll be eaten in the pig pen, eating the husk when you should be eating the steak. Yes. Right now. Revelation chapter 12, verses 9 and 10 says this. So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old, called the devil, Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast with him. Then he heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation, strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of Christ have come. For the accuser of the brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. Satan was removed. The Bible tells us, that Jesus, when he ascended to the Father, the Bible tells us that the accuser, that he that knew no sin had become sin for us, and the Bible says that he ascended to the Father, and he's at the right hand of the Father to ever make what? Intercession for us. Something happened at the cross of the Calvary when Jesus ascended to the Father. The devil, who was a part of the plan, and the accuser was removed from the picture and Jesus was put at the right hand of God your intercessor from that point on we don't have to go brother G we just to have to go to the priest and get a covering that's what they had to do. just to try to cover <laughs> sin but because of what Jesus did we don't have to do that anymore he is Romans 8 34 says who is he that condemns? it is Christ who died and furthermore is risen who is even at the right hand of God making intercession for us? We no longer have the accuser anymore in the spiritual act of it. We have an advocate at the right hand of God. He pleads our case to the Father. Why does Jesus plead our case? I'm done right here. Why does he, Jesus plead our case to the Father? Because he's been here, he's walked on this earth. He was tempted immediately after Jesus was baptized. The Bible said he went into the wilderness to pray and to begin a fast. What happened? Didn't Satan come to him and tempt him? He came and tempted him, and he tried to get him to throw himself, jump off of a cliff, bow to him, curse God, and all kinds of things. And lastly, God, he tried to get him to do all kinds of things because he's an accuser. But he was taking care of. Jesus clothes us with righteousness. He clothes us with righteousness. He changes our lives. You don't have to be good enough to be a part of the family of no. God. Because of what Jesus He made us. How many of us struggle? Every head bowed and every eye closed today. How many of you struggle with your identity in Christ? You struggle that you will be good enough. Come on. If you struggle with being good enough, I want you to raise your hand. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's going to see your hand. But man, you struggle with being good enough. You struggle with being the best Struggle with being a good parent or a good spouse or a good worker or being good enough. You struggle with that. Can I tell you today? Because of what Jesus did, the fight is not yours. You're not in this alone. He that knew no sin took every struggle and every bit of anxiety. You in this house today, you struggle with anxiety. You struggle with anxiety. Sometimes anxiety can be crippling to you. (coughs) He took all that for us. Every bit of sin, every bit of fear. And I would dare say, and I'm finishing with this, the greatest thing that we as Christians deal with is this word called shame. Jesus has forgiven us of our past but we haven't forgiven ourselves. If you still look back at your past and you feel shame, you need to allow Jesus to heal you today. Allow Jesus to heal you. Quit trying to be good enough. Quit trying to get good enough. He already accepts you the way you are. He already accepts you. Quit believing the lies that somebody said about you and learn to run into the arms of Jesus today. Allow him that is sinless now and sits at the right hand of the Father to make intercession for you. Allow him to heal you. Now, Holy Spirit, I love you. And I thank you for your Holy Spirit, for your presence here today. I pray right now by the power of you, God through the power of your Holy Spirit, through the strength and the knowledge of your word that you would give healing to hearts and lives today. Right where you're at today, you raise your hand for any of these things that you deal with. I want you to leave it here today. He wants you to leave it here today. You don't have to carry it anymore. You don't have to be the best husband, the best wife, the best worker, the best this, the best that. You can visit Jesus today and he'll take that. If you're looking back at your past and you're always reminded of what you used to be, you can leave that at the feet of Jesus today and he will give you healing and peace. His scripture says, peace I leave with you, peace I give unto you. Not as the peace this world gives, but the peace I give. It's the peace I give. It is finished, is the words he said on God God's It is finished. He finished the work at Calvary. It don't have to be good enough. Put on the robe of righteousness today. Look at yourself in the mirror and say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Start telling yourself, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm coming out of this addiction I'm coming out of this problem I'm coming out of these cycles That are ruining my life That are robbing my joy I'm surrendering it all to Jesus today I'm leaving it at his feet Right now Father in Jesus' name Of the power of your Holy Ghost Right now Let healing happen right here As we feel your spirit so strongly Right here Those that compare themselves to others, you always compare yourself to others. Quit comparing yourself to others and begin to look at Jesus. Look at God. Give them a picture of how you look at us. Give us all a picture, Father, of how you look at us through your Son Jesus and through the power of your Holy Spirit. God, we surrender it to you today. We ask for your help today. For those that are just battling, Battle discouragement. Let that spirit of discouragement be broken today. Let the spirit of manipulation be broken today. Let the spirit of addiction be broken today. Let the spirit of pornography be broken today. Let the spirit of rejection be broken today. Let the spirit of, the spirit of harsh words and of manipulation and the spirit of Jezebel be broken today. In Jesus' name, In Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus'